Welcome back to the Discovering Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Our guest today is veteran multifamily broker and principal of Alpha Realty, Lev Mavashev. Lev, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure having you here today. John, pleasure. Thank you for having me. And before we talk business, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So where are you from and how did you get into this industry? So uh, I'm from Brooklyn. Well, originally from, uh, originally from Uzbekistan. I was uh, born there, moved here when I was seven years old. Grew up in Brooklyn, went to uh, Baruch College, studied uh, studied accounting and economics. Um, I graduated with honors from the accounting program there. It had a very good program, and I think it still does. I ended up uh, joining uh, Deloitte. Deloitte & Touche is one of the, it still is one of the big four international accounting firms. Uh, the two years there, and then uh, realized accounting wasn't for me. You know, I... Uh, I didn't want to count other people's money. I wanted to make my own money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got into real estate. I always liked real estate. And uh, somebody introduced me to somebody that was uh, um, recruiting at GFI. So uh, I joined GFI as a junior commercial real estate broker. Um, I was only there for a few months because the guy, I was on a team with somebody who ended up moving to Besson afterwards. Um, so I went to Besson. And I was there a little over five years, and then in 2014, end of end of the later year of 2014, I started uh, Alpha started my own company, Alpha Realty, and uh, here we are. Amazing, beautiful. Uh, Lev, talk to us about your first few businesses you started: the lollipops from Costco, the sunglasses from eBay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, yeah in my younger years, I uh, I uh, I always try to get creative with uh, selling stuff. Okay. Yeah, making money. I was always. Uh, I was always trying out new things, but my big thing was eBay. I used to sell a lot of stuff on eBay, from sunglasses to towels to whatever. Maybe my aunt, my mom, my dad, my uh, sister wanted to get rid of. I would always just sell it on eBay. Um, but I'll tell you what. I think my first, my my real like first sense of business didn't didn't uh, come from any sales, uh, any sa weird sales mm. gigs I did. I think it came from. Uh, um, mostly through uh, investing. I, oh, okay. I, uh, so, so after my bar mitzvah, I came to some money by some money. I mean, like two thousand right. dollars. And uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to spend it on the latest Super Nintendo game or whatever it was. So my dad taught me taught me like the value of like saving and investing. He actually right. helped me open up a, 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 a it was like E Trade. It was like an E Trade account. So I started investing in stocks, and I did good. And, and the truth is, anything you bought in '97, '98 went up yeah. before the dot com bubble yeah. burst. Um, so that's where I really got into business and I started reading investment books. I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. I love the book. Amazing. He talks about building wealth through real estate and all that stuff. So I got, I, I, I really loved real estate. I really loved real estate. I, I was exposed and loved real estate from that book. Amazing. Great. Yeah. And so what do you think you'd be doing career-wise if not commercial real estate? Ah, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, I've been doing this for 14 years. I really can't think... Uh, definitely not accounting. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know what? I love people. I love traveling. Maybe I'll do. Maybe I would do something in international trade or something okay. like that. Interesting. But I love. I love real estate. I love what I do. I love selling buildings. Uh, I, th I think. Awesome. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. And uh, so after graduating from Baruch in '06, you worked as a CPA, uh, and then you transitioned into investment sales role. Um, walk us through how this experience kind of prepared you to be a principal at Alpha. Realty. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was at a I was at a CPA track at Deloitte. I got my CPA, um, but uh, I knew right away it wasn't for me. But I'll tell you what I got out of Deloitte. I think um, I got a little. I got a sense of you know. I got a sense what corporate 
corporate life is about, how to work in a structured environment. Mm. And it truly helps me in, in my day to day. You know, brokerage is very, it could be all over the place. Yeah. It's very unstructured. But you, you, you know, I, at least I learned and developed how to build structure in my day. Okay. And, I teach, and, I, and I do the same thing with my team today. Awesome. Amazing. Um, and can you give us kind of a breakdown of what Alpha Realty is? What's kind of the gap filled in the market by this company? So we are so we're a boutique investment sales firm. Um, it's it's ten of us, including me. And um, I think our value add is we have we have we we're, we're specialized in New York City multifamily. Perfect. Um, that's our that's our asset class specialization, and there are products within it, right? Anything from uh, workforce you know workforce houses, rent regulated product, to fair market housing, to you know a building with with tax abatements on mm. it. Um, but we specialize in all in all different product classes within within New York City multifamily. Understood. And what does the training process look like? Let's say uh, you hire someone tomorrow. What does the next two years look like for them? Um, we uh, it's more of a mentorship program. I make sure I, I make sure to pair up. Every junior is paired up with a senior to work with. Mm. Um, we, you know, honestly, we haven't hired juniors in a while. The la our, my last two hires have both each had an over a decade of experience. Mm. Um, but uh, I make sure that a junior is always working closely with a senior. That's the best way to learn and grow in this business. Mm -hmm. Understood. And uh, why is multifamily the primary focus of the firm? Uh, can you walk us through how you kind of became a market leader in such a competitive market? Um, I. Uh, I, you know what? I worked at Besson. I got a taste of various asset classes, um, but the, you know, I, I worked very closely under Amadoshi, who I think is one of the best brokers in the business. Um, and uh, I got a taste of multifamily. I just, I just loved it. I rolled with it. Um, I built my network um, through it. I built myself through it. Um, and I, I, you know what? I understand the asset class. I think it's the best, one of the best asset classes, maybe other than industrial which became the post-covid darling yeah, of, of the real estate <laughs> world but uh um, which is very different but uh multifamily is is what i know what i understand and, and i love I, I i drive up and down brooklyn and manhattan and look at all these buildings see them with a different lens you know awesome. like <laughs> what could be for sale what could what's, what's ripe for transaction soon yeah. you know um but i love it yeah and have you always had this kind of excitement for multifamily and, and real and investment sales um i have yes um uh, ever since my younger years. Yeah, ever since I started in the business, right. I loved it. Awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, what was the first deal you closed? How did that come about? Um, the first deal, I, I'm sure you read about it somewhere. <laughs> um, the first deal, I, well, actually, that was the second deal. The, but the first deal I closed, um, it was my, I was in the business for already almost a year. And it was, it was my 11th month in the business. I closed my first deal, 1275 Edward L. Grant. Uh, I sold it to uh, Bernie Miller, who... Mm -hmm passed away a few years ago um, but uh, that was, it was a 61 unit building in the Bronx um, and uh, that that it was it was from my first deal my first deal how I got was when I started cold calling you know everybody's like you got to learn how to deal with rejections you're gonna get a lot of no's uh, surprisingly on my first call I got a yes I'm like sir do you want to sell your building awesome. absolutely <laughs> I want to sell my building and I didn't know what to do. I, I like I had to whatever. I pretended like I didn't know the call, right. and, and I got up and I'm like, "This guy wants to sell his building. What do I do next?" You know. And and obviously the training process began, um, and that, that was that led to my first deal. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting story. Awesome. And uh, what mistake did you make in your first deal that you kind of um, will never make again, and you urge people to never make again? 
Oh, mistakes. Uh, there are plenty. Uh, listen, what I got to tell you this. I, before I did my first deal, I had 16 deals fall apart my first year. And for me, that was more of a learning experience right. than doing my first deal. Um, it was really discouraging, but uh, all I can say is it's okay to make mistakes. Just learn. Make right. it, use it as, a, as an opportunity to learn and grow. 100%. And uh, Lev, around nine months ago in an interview with Solar Report, you said that the New York uh, City investment sales market is relatively active and op optimistic. Has this outlook changed and why? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would say the market is very cautious but optimistic right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, I, if you would have, same year, January of last year, I was thinking this is the best market right. in the world. We, you know, New York's getting out of COVID, rents are rising through the roof, yeah. um, low rates. Uh, you know, my team and I were all pumped up to have an amazing, you know, super year, which, which we did, by the way. We still ended up selling 61 buildings right. last year. But it was, it was uh, you know, the interest rates, unfortunately, the interest rates really, you know, really put a hamper on this. I mean, we went from from 3% in March to 6% in November. Yeah. Like it really Super took fast. a toll on the market. It's, it's a stress on all these assets, you know? Yeah. Um, not to mention inflation and rising costs, which especially with rent regulated, 100%. Rent regulated buildings, it's, uh, you know, um, it's, a really, it's a real squeeze on them. And what's your outlook on the next two to three years? How do you think this, is, this situation is gonna transform? Um, I'll tell you what, the market wants certainty. Mm -hmm. doesn't like uncertainty. So I think the fact that even though we are in a higher interest rate environment, the fact that there is some level of stability, um, I think it will, I think it will, uh, I think more buyers will be confident. They are already, we're already seeing more buyers that are planning to do acquisitions Great. in 23, buyers that were on hold last year while right. they were watching these rates go up and up and up. Um, but I think as long as we have stability and there's some sort, some level of certainty, um, Mark is going to be active again. Perfect. I think end of this year, end of 23, you could quote me on it. End okay. of 2023, we'll see a huge uptick in activity. Awesome. Okay, sounds good. And how can an owner of a rent-stabilized building protect themselves from changes in the debt market affecting their investment uh, if they have a cap on the upside? There are ways rent-stabilized uh, owners um, can protect their investments. It's, it's, it's mostly through lowering operating expenses. Mm. Um, make sure you have the right paperwork, lower your taxes where you could, um, upgrade your building if you need to, to lower your expenses. But that's really the only way. Also preferential rents. It's a, that's, that's a silver lining there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look in general, rent stabilized owners are really in a tight spot. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't got to tell you this. And, uh, um, yeah, a lot of them are selling this year because they have mortgages coming due. hundred so, percent. Yeah. yeah. And do you ever see the law shifting, uh, to allow for upside in rent stabilized buildings? Uh, look, I think the uh, laws were, I think they came from a good place, but I think it's... Uh, um, In practice, doesn't work. Yeah, it, it's, I, think, I, think the, I think the pandemic is too much to the left. I think it will center out. And I think we're starting to see it, right? They, they allowed a 5%, uh, a 3.25% and a 5% and mm. increase on one and two year renewals. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think uh, some of the regulations are starting to become a little more pro-landlord, but we have yet to see, but I think they, it is going to somehow center out. Okay, understood. And what's the most complicated part of the deal when it comes to selling a rent-stabilized asset in New York City? I think the paperwork is, at, look, every buyer right now is doing, is really digging in and doing their due diligence. Um, you know, I think, 
I think the right sellers are really prepared are, are, are prepared to sell. They have all their, you know, they make sure they have all their leases and tenant files and DHCR, you know, all registered rents are proper, mm. all the DHCR paperwork is kosher. It's 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 a very uh, it's a very Delicate. involved it's a very involved process, but all your ducks have to line up, especially for a rent stabilized building. Understood. And uh, with the expiration of the 421A tax abatement. Um, how have you seen new developers building with affordable housing using, uh, housing units and making their projects feasible? They're not. <laughs> um, even now, so, you know, so first of all, development sites even that have the foundation in and are grandfathered into the 421A, there's a huge concern that they might not be out and done by 2026. So it really put development activity to a halt. And, and I think the city's shooting themselves in the, New York State and New York City by shooting themselves in the foot by, by letting this expire. I, I don't know why I'm shocked they did. It was such a successful program. Yeah. Um, I get it. They didn't build as many affordable housing as they wanted to because they gave 70-30. So you come to the negotiation table and you figure something out that works for everybody. The private sector will do anything as long as you give them the right incentive. Right. So if you make a program that works for everybody, you're going to build. You want to build affordable housing, then 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 incentivize the the, the developers to, to build affordable it, yeah. housing. You gotta you gotta give them something. You can't take away everything and expect them, you know, and expect this to 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 be built. Absolutely, yeah. People won't build if, if they lose money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Why would why would I do something if I'm not making money? Yeah. Not, you know, give give them an opportunity to make money. It's a it's a win win. Yeah, for sure. And how do you train your brokers to kind of handle situations like owners with high pricing ex expectations? Um, so I, tr I, it's, it's, it's very important that we qualify our, we qualify the sellers up front and, and everybody on my team understands it. Yeah. Um, yes, there is a high price expectations. We try to get a sense of why, why it's there. Is it there just because, you know, he's not transacting unless he hits that price, which I get it, right? He has to pay his, whatever it yeah. is, pay off all this. And maybe he has a couple of brothers and sisters that want, you know, I, I get it. Every situation is different, but Unless they, unless they, unless they, they're going to transact in 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 the current market, um, there may not be real sellers, and that's mm. what we like to. do. We want to get to that point as quickly as possible. Hey, Mr. Seller, I know you know you want twenty million dollars, but we think this is realistically going to trade around fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. You know, very unfortunate, but do you see yourself transacting there? If yes, we'll take on the assignment. And I get it if they want a little more than market. Right. Everybody's doing that. But we, I would like we wouldn't take on an assignment where the seller wants twenty and the market's fourteen, fifteen. Right. And you would show the data, uh, the yes, comparables. Yes, show the data. We would show them the market conditions. Of course, yeah. We we tour the pro. Listen, we help sellers prepare for sale if that's the route they want to take. Right. You know, but absolutely, we we're, we act like they're consultants and advisors. Great. That's what we do. Understood. And with the investment sales brokerage business um, having such a low barrier to entry, how do you stand out and how do you continue to grow your market share over time? Uh, the key is to have a specialization. And you're right; it is a very competitive market. Yeah. But the key is to have a specialization and to find uh, to find ways to add value to your clients. Great. And I think with once you specialize in an asset class, you'll know how to add value. You know, you'll know how the information the seller is giving you, how the market's going to react to it, and that's why they're hiring you. Right. You know, and they're they're hiring you for that for that expertise and for you to help them position this asset for 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 an uh, efficient and effective sale in the market. Understood. And do you think as a specialist, you kind of have your ear close to the ground because you're kind of understanding everything there is to know about your property type or asset class? Uh, and that would be different with a generalist who kind of yeah, does everything. I, I, yes. And, and, and by the way, I was a generalist. 
and it's hard to be a generalist. You know, you're selling retail, you're selling development sites, uh, you know, you're trying to get your hands on this cool hotel you heard is for sale, you yeah. know, and and it's hard. But but if you're a specialist, you know, like you want to know, like like I'll I you know deals that even deals that 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 me or my firm don't broker, we we want to know about it. If it right. traded, we want to know. It's amazing. Who's the buyer? Who's the seller? Why did it trade for such price per square foot or for such GRM or for such cap rate? Right. And you dig and you know the market. And 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 even though even though we didn't broker the deal, at least we could present that comp and talk about it to a prospective, you know, value a prospective seller that we're valuing their building this way, you know? Understood. Okay. And how would you go about learning a new market? Uh, let's say you were dropped into a random market, let's say Kentucky. Um, how would you be able to Kentucky. become a market leader in that market in a year? Um, in a year, I could probably do it in twelve months. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Kentucky. It's very simple. Um, I would uh, call my roll. Um, you're talking to me, right? Yeah. I have uh, right, not some junior guy. Okay, fine. I would call my rolodex of New York guys, <laughs> guys that I transacted with, and call them, them up and say, "Listen, would you be open to seeing opportunities in Kentucky?" Most of them, not majority, but most of them will say, "Listen, as long as I don't have to deal with rent regulations and and a liberal housing court, right. I'll look at opportunities there." You know, <laughs> and so I'll, I'll qualify maybe like top five or ten guys, and then I'll go and I'll start calling the sellers in the market, not owners, right. sellers. I will I will go look at comps. Anybody that's sold in the last, I would say maybe twelve to twenty four months, stat, statistics show that if they sold in in the last two years, they're more likely to, they're most they're more likely to sell something yeah. else, you know, again. So I would call all the sellers that sold in the last twenty four months and tell them that I'm bringing a group from New York and they're out shopping. Awesome. What can we get done together? <laughs> Amazing. And, and 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 I think I'll be a market leader. Okay, great. And if you were a blank slate, if you were someone kind of two months into the business, a junior person, how would you do it? Um, good question. I would join an active team. Mm. Um, I think it's so important for juniors to work on a good team or, or to work and a team could be two people, right? Under someone else's way. You got to work on their, exactly. You got to work on their senior broker. Mm. Um, I think that's the best way to really grow your career. Great. Understood. And how did you learn the skills associated with being a leader? Is this something you were born with or did you develop this as you went through your career? Um, I, first of all, I don't think leaders are born. Um, maybe some, but I think everything is developed. Mm. I think it's something I developed through time. I, I, I wanted to be better. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to build my business. I wanted to hire the right guys on my team, mm. you know, the right support staff. And, uh, you know, they're naturally looking for a leader. And, and you know, sometimes you got to step into that role. Right. hundred percent. And what do you think makes a good leader and a good principal? Um, I think, uh, I think being a bit of a risk taker, having mm. a vision, definitely having a vision, but but that vision should constantly be growing. Mm. Got it. And what's the best way to fire someone, but also uh, help them in their journey? Wow, good question. Um, I think definitely be upfront with what their shortcomings are, and maybe and. Uh, I, I mean, I did. I fired one person in my life, and I did share with them what their shortcomings are and how they could Improve. learn and grow from these shortcomings. Yeah. Everybody has shortcomings and setbacks, but I think the key is to learn and grow from them. Hundred percent. And let's say someone watching this right now wants to be a real estate, real estate entrepreneur. Would you recommend for them to work at a big shop like JLL, CBRE, or start their own firm directly out of college and learn as they go? Um, I think definitely start at a big shop. Okay. Um, I personally am giving my brother that advice. Go work for a big, a, a, you know, a more established, bigger firm. Join a team, 
um, learn what you can, absorb what you can, and then and then come to then come to me. Great, <laughs> understood. And as far as business partners, how do you vet business partners? What's the telling sign that you shouldn't work with someone? Um, you know what? I I I'm, I, I always trust my sixth sense. Mm. Um, gut. I, I trust my gut exactly. Okay. I'll I'll go with not just how they talk or yeah. you know it's not all about talk and action it is about talk and action but also you got to go sometimes with your gut feeling and I, and I usually go with my gut feeling my sixth sense about it understood and how do you make money in the in the bad market in a down investment sales market in a down market i think the best way the best way to make more the, the best way to make it in a down market and i've been through many of them is to is to make sure you have the volume and mm. had, and and you do that by really specializing and knowing the market and you know during during you know during covid people were calling me all the time hey you know most a lot of people went out of state right they they went uh, uh, you know they went to other markets but i i stayed in new york thankfully new york was keeping me busy right. and um, i was I'm, I'm i'm you know i was building on already the connections and and the business i already built i'm not going to go elsewhere and start but um, believe it or not, this is the best way to catch market share. I did that in 2019 mm. with the rent laws. I had it during COVID. Sellers, buyers were calling me, hey, what do you think about this deal? Hey, what do you think about my building? I'm having trouble with, with, with this guy's not paying rent. How, how would the market react to it? How can you value this? So I, I, I stuck around and I added value to them. That's the, best way, that's the best way to make money in that market. And there are opportunities. Look, I think as brokers, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're making money whether the market's going up or down, yeah, true. as long as as long as as long as Activity. there are transactions, and you're in New York, there's always going to be transactions. True. I don't care what anybody says. New York is is there's, you're always going to be transacting here. Of course, depending on the price, but there's always going to be transactions here. Understood. And um, what do you look for in a new hire for Alpha Realty? Um, I'll tell you what I, I I've seen a lot of people come and go, not not only at Alpha Realty at Besson at GFI. Um, and I'll tell you what a young, what a, what a young, not just a young, any broker needs in this business. And that's what I look for in new hires is their desire to really be in this business. Mm. Um, and their, and their ability to, to, to a strong mental attitude, mm. their ability to really weather the ups and downs, you know, Rejection. You, have, you always have deals fall apart. There's always challenges. Yeah. Um, you can't let it affect you, you know? Like I, I have deals fall apart. I can't, I can't be down about it for 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 a week and and let it affect the the ten, right. fifteen other deals I have going on. You know, um, so you really have to have a strong mental attitude, and I look for that in new hires. Understood. And what was the hardest deal you've ever worked on? The hardest deal I've ever worked on, uh, you know what? Um, there's plenty, and I gotta say, it's all about. It's all about the personalities involved in the deal. It's mm. not the biggest deal or the smallest deal. Um, you know, some of the easiest deals were my biggest deals. You know, those I think were the easiest ones, the smoothest. Um, well, every deal has the challenges, yeah. but you know, we're always dealing with personalities. Like you know, your every transaction has a buyer, a seller, attorney. You know, maybe there's some outside advisor also involved, and you're dealing with egos and 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 everybody's own motivation and desire mm. and and as a broker you got to manage all this you got to manage and make sure everybody's moving in the right direction to 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 closing you yeah. know um so that that could get challenging but that's that's exciting that's also the the, the exciting part of the 100 percent. and what are some of your strategies to kind of move people into the direction that you uh in, move to the people to the direction of closing the deal um <laughs> 
Um, I think uh, reminding them of, again, everybody could get caught up in their thing. I think reminding them that we're here to get a deal done. So put their ego aside. Right. Put the ego aside. You, Mr. Lawyer, have a duty to your client. You, seller, or have a duty to, you know, but you make it work. But I think constantly reminding them and moving them in the right direction that, hey, we're all on the same page and we all want to get the deal done. Understood. Got it. And what idea do you believe about a specific market or asset class that many people you respect disagree with you on? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'll tell you what. A lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. Um, but cap rates did not rise due to interest rates. Hmm. In fact, I think you'll find that they are not really correlated. Hmm. And the reason cap rates really rose is because a lot of a lot of buyers are on the sidelines. You know, like for that, like for example, that Kentucky example, right? right? If a new buyer comes to town tomorrow and say, I wanna I wanna put a billion dollars into buying multifamily assets in Kentucky, cap rates are going down. down. Yeah. There's probably not even enough product, and the guy's gonna have to be bidding and overbidding yeah. just to get the product, just to buy the stuff. You know, so tomorrow, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, tomorrow a new buyer could come into town, right? Whatever, some big life insurance or some foreign government is going to come to town and want to spend billions of dollars on buying New York City multifamily. I said, guess what? Cap rates are going to go down. Yeah. Um, and that might be one. It might be a group. But I think, and, and as I told you before, as rates stabilize and there's some, cert there's some level of certainty in the market, more buyers are going to enter the market. Mm. Because more buyers are going to enter the market, cap rates are going to be going down while rates are still high. Understood. Got it. And how do you rep recognize an opportunity you want to go big on? Is it based on intuition or is it based on facts? It starts with intuition and then facts always kill the deal. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, an opportunity I want to go big on, yeah, it's going to be a byproduct of both. Okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be based on intu uh, intuition and fact. Um, and uh, I think uh, intuition usually plays a bigger role than facts. Understood. Yeah. And what, what's been a recent like huge opportunity that you kind of saw that everybody, it's, it's been a contrarian view? Um, I mean, uh, look, buying rent-stabilized buildings is a, is Contra a contrarian view. Contrarian. But, you know, we're finding angles to get it done. Um, some of the stuff we, you know, whether some of the, some of, we're selling a lot of rent stabilized buildings and portfolios right now. And a lot of it is getting done because, you know, they have, they have an attractive assumable mortgage, mm. you know, um, like I did a $26 million in Queens recently where the guy took over an existing $20 million debt on the deal. Mm. Um, so he came in at 80% LTV, 3.1%, locked in for another eight years. So the guy bought a seven cap with an existing mortgage nice. of 3.1%. You know, um, so we, we are getting creative in getting these deals done, you know. And what's been a, what's been a creative uh, capital stack that someone has built, a buyer has built of a rent-stabilized asset? You've seen. Oh wow! I've seen people buy uh, with zero money down. <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, uh, but uh, with uh, rent stabilized, I mean, it's tough now. Rates are higher, um, but with rent stabilization, now it's tough. People are honestly, the, we're doing them with low LTV deals, unless mm -hmm. unless there's already an existing uh, mortgage, which is assumable. By the way, there are a lot of banks that will not allow an assumption, even though they say this is an assumable mortgage, mm -hmm. and they have another whatever five years left. They will find 20 ways to kill the deal. Yeah. Um, you know, why? You know, if you're a bank, why would you allow an assumption yeah, of 3.5%? You could lend out the money yeah. at 6.5%. True. And uh, what have you learned about yourself since you've closed your first deal? As a businessman, as a family I, man? I, as a, I, 
learned definitely learned a lot i mean we're talking about 14, 14 years, years ago, ago 13 years ago right they, um it's you know what it's what i learned before i did my first deal i had 16 deals fall apart my first mm. year you know that's very discouraging and i think that's where i learned the importance of you know first of all if you want to be in this business whatever it takes you're going to weather any storm yeah. any challenge any obstacle you have um but i think what i really learned is uh again it could be you know it could be really discouraging to have so many deals fall apart and i'm talking about like we were in contracts out loi negotiations um you know and uh I, I think that's where i learned the importance of having a strong mental attitude in this business Perfect. got it and who do you learn from at this point in your career um i learned from everyone I, I i really every situation from buyer seller even to a junior guy in my team mm. you know i you could really take you could really take something from you could really take something from everyone like at at Besson, I worked under, I worked very closely with Ahmed, but there were a lot of good other senior brokers there. And everybody kind of, you know, everybody kind of has their own style, mm -hmm. you know, like I like to say, brokers come in all different shapes and sizes and everybody has their style. But uh, I, I, I take, I take and I internalize it and mm -hmm. I, and, and I really tailor it to myself and, and, and how I want to, how I want to improve and become better. Awesome. Perfect. And what's your pri primary driving factor nowadays? Is it money, personal achievement, family, philanthropy? Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's always fun to make more money, but I think it's achievement right now. Okay. I'm just always striving to, uh, be always, better. always striving to be better. And, and, and my competition is myself. Mm. Like 2023 Lev should be better than 2022 Lev. Awesome. And 2022 Lev had a goal to be better than 2021 Lev. Great. Uh, and I have my final question to wrap it up. Okay. What advice would you give your 22 year old self about life, business and relationships? Um, I, 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 uh, you know what? Don't be scared to take risks. Um, even if it's unclear what's going to work out because everything, even if it doesn't work out, everything's a learning opportunity. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would leave it at that. There's no such thing as losing. You're always going to learn and grow learning experience. from something that doesn't work. Exactly. Experience is the best school is, is the best pathway to growth. Awesome. Amazing. Love. This has been so informative and so valuable for young professionals and they can apply this to their careers moving forward. Thank you again awesome. for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Great. It's <laughs> good. 2.04. 10 minutes early. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad we got to get through all of these. <laughs>